Welcome back, everybody. We roll all the way till 6 o'clock right here on the Big Talker 1700. Always good when we have Derek Peck on the line with us right now, Hawkeye Heaven. Uh, we're going to uh, get into the Hawks a little bit and see what he knows on looking forward to tomorrow night and the uh, little practice. It's not really a scrimmage, more of just a practice on a 70-yard field. How you doing, pal? It's good to talk to you. I'm doing pretty well. It's good to talk to you guys, too. We had... Uh... Just talked with Trent this morning. We had Tim Dwight on the Hawkeye Heaven podcast, so that was that was a, it was a blast getting him on there. It was, an, it was an honor to talk to him. I'd never talked to him before, and uh, he had a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting information to share with us. I thought, yeah, it was a, a real fun conversation. We got into uh, some of the things that he's doing right now. Talked about how he would help build that program as well, the football program, and he's all about getting more speed, getting guys in there with a, a little more quickness. Maybe easier said than done, DP. I, I agree. Yeah, and and uh, you know we talked about that as well. But you can check out the podcast at HawkeyeHeaven.net with uh, with Tim Dwight. And yeah, I mean it's not a, not a shocker that he's uh, he advocates for more speed, right? right? Considering considering who he is, he, I think he had the nickname White Lightning. Um, you know, and I was I was telling Trent on the podcast that he was making comments about his. Uh, you know his football camp that he puts on with Tavian Banks. It's coming up here on, I believe it's July 28th, out at Waukee Middle School. Uh, but he was saying that he likes to teach the kids. You know, you get in and out of drills fast. You get in and out of formations fast. We get in and out of lunch fast. And uh, I think everything that guy does is fast. So, um, <laughs> you know, it was it was interesting to hear from him. And yeah, he's certainly a big proponent of uh, of football players who also run track and field. And you know, I think that's kind of the one takeaway. The well, biggest takeaway for me was just how he, he really thinks that uh, not just the Hawkeyes, but um, college college football programs in general should be looking more closely at track athletes because, you know, basically you, you can't teach speed. No, you cannot. Look, Ronaldo Nehemiah was a uh, Olympic hurdler and then played for the San Francisco 49ers. We all know Bullet Bob Hayes and what he did for the Dallas Cowboys back in the day. So I agree with you. Wasn't it, uh, Trent, help me out here, the kid from uh, UNI then played at Iowa State. His last name, is he Ryan? Trevor that Ryan. Was the kid, the, what, yeah. Trevor Ryan, yeah, the wide receiver there. I mean, let, I mean that's a local tie-in uh, from, you know, just last season and, and the last couple of seasons. So I'm with you on that, Derek. Yeah, you know, I've even, I even remember people joking about, uh, you know, could, could Usain Bolt, uh, you know, the Jamaican, you know, fastest uh-huh. guy in the world, could he put some pads on and, and play? But, you know, that's the, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of wishful thinking, um, in some regards, not that you know. Certainly, some of these at-track athletes wouldn't be capable of it. But uh, Tim, you know, Tim may be a little too humble to admit this, but uh, he was a hell of a track, you know, track athlete. But he also, as a football player, was was pretty fearless, and um, and he was tough as nails. And you know, combining that speed and that track talent, you know, with with football, really takes somebody like Tim, who is fearless. And uh, I'm not sure. The majority of track athletes who are who are that fast have that same, you know, that that same nature to them that Tim did that made him such a good football player. But, um, mm-hmm. but it never hurts to get some speed on the field. So, uh, you know, they got to be able to catch the ball and, and handle the ball and, and not be afraid to get hit. But, uh, but you know, maybe he's onto something there, and maybe maybe the Hawkeyes should uh, 
should look a little bit, you know, more in depth at, at track athletes. Yeah, getting speed, a big, big thing. You can catch that over at HawkeyeHeaven.net. Our long-ranging conversation today with uh, Tim Dwight. Our conversations with Derek and the crew from Hawkeye Heaven, presented by Murphy Tower Service, online at murphytower.com. All right, DP, let's get into the here and now and uh, talk a little bit about what you're excited to see tomorrow night as the football team will be out there on the field. What are a couple of the uh, maybe position groups you're looking forward to? Not going to get a game, anything like that. Games are, are pretty much by the wayside under the Kirk Ferentz era anyway, but who are you going to be looking for going through the drills? What are you keeping your eye out at? I mean, I think we've, we've said this the past several years, it feels like, but really, uh, I mean, obviously last year it was more so the quarterback situation, but uh, wide receiver, you know, transitioning right from the, the Tim Dwight conversation, I think I'm anxious to see if, uh, you know, who's, who's the spring sensation this year, right? <laughs> it's, uh, there's been a few different ones the past few years, whether you're talking Derek Willies or, oh, gosh, the kid out of Laporte City Union, Jay Shield. Shield. Um, you know, there's always been uh, somebody who, who surfaces, and then maybe we don't hear from him again. But um, I'd like to see what Brandon Smith and and uh, you know some of those guys can do, and uh, you know even Ivory Kelly Martin and uh, Torn Young in the backfield, and uh, you know Drew Cook. I know just in the you know how how much is he being used? How much is he running with the first and second string offense? I, I've there was pictures in the you know on Hawkeye Sports the other day of of Cook making a catch in front of Amani Hooker, which to me seems like he must be getting some reps with with some of the starters, and that that would be a surprise given the depth that the Hawkeyes have at the tight end position with obviously Fant and and uh, Hawkinson and and even Buyer, you know, I mean um, mm-hmm. Buyer Whiting, yeah, um, you know, but. I, I do remember a couple of weeks ago one of the players, I think it might have been Hawkinson, saying that Drew Cook's been making plays in practice and he's really elevated his game. So, um, but, you know, that'll be interesting to see. And then obviously on the defensive side, uh, how do the linebackers look? You know, Phil Parker mentioned uh, who the starters appear to be at this point with uh, with Menz and Amani Jones and, oh, Nick Neiman. Um, you know, Nick Neiman's still battling with Barrington Wade and, uh, I'll be anxious to see how those guys do, and you know. Other than that, it's you, you got to. I also have to temper my expectations because it's still a Hawkeye spring game, and typically what happens is the defense dominates, and it's hard to look too much into it. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um, let me follow up uh, back quickly to the uh, offense. Uh, look, we got glimpses of Torin Young at running back, Ivory Kelly, Martin, but still they don't have a lot of great depth at that position. You comfortable with those two guys heading into the uh, tomorrow night's practice and then, of course, into fall? Yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable with those two, but I'm not comfortable with anything beyond those two. I mean, I, I think okay. that given... You know, given what we've seen from both of them, they they look like they're, you know, they're they're Big Ten level talent. I, I really believe that, uh, but it's a position that gets beat up. So, you know, Hawkeye fans are are all too familiar with that. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, guys like Mark Wiseman and, um, you know, get to your fourth or fifth or sixth string running back, and um, we don't know what what the Hawkeyes have beyond Torin Young and and Kelly Martin. You can make the argument we don't really even know what they have with those two, but at least they've, you know, at least they've had some plays and they've they've had some snaps. And 
uh, they've shown glimpses of, of uh, really good ability. But, yeah, I mean, you got Keyshawn Bryan. Uh, sounds like he's he's played better coming off an injury. And then Cam Harrell, you know, they, they've moved him around positions and they put him back at running back probably simply because of the lack of depth there. Um, you know, and then, gosh, is it Tokes or Kenry Body has been kind of in and out of injuries. It doesn't sound like he's going to be playing at all right now. Um, and maybe this summer, you know, we'll hear more about some of the incoming freshmen like uh, – you know, like a Henry Guile, I think, I think you could make a legitimate. I think Guile could make a legitimate shot at, at uh, you know, not not using his red shirt this year and maybe getting some reps at some point this season. But you know, a lot of that depends on the injury situation. So let's just hope that Kelly Martin and Torin Young can uh, can handle the workload. Yeah, gonna need that, and then it's hope after that. And uh, the angry running back Iowa hating uh, God, whatever it's called. <laughs> Hopefully he's not reared its head coming up this fall once again, as we've seen plenty times in years past. Well, and, and you know, Trent, the other thing, just uh, just real quick, is obviously the number two quarterback. You know, I, I'm uh-huh. going to keep an eye on that too. That, that's a I missed that one earlier, but um, that, that'll be an intriguing battle too because um, you know Petrus and and Peyton Mansell. Obviously, Petrus is the younger guy, but he's got a lot of talent. You know, and they're a little bit different quarterbacks, but. Uh, it'll be fun to see what, what those two look like tomorrow night. So we talked earlier this week, DP, a little bit about Brian Ferentz and his conversation with the media back, uh, I believe it was Tuesday, uh, talking about the the growing pains on the job and some of the things and very glib and, and talking about with Kander, you know, what went wrong at different times in, in the season. As you look at year number two, what what's a baseline for your expectations? There's there's question marks certainly on the offensive side of the ball, but how much improvement do you expect to see this year out of the O? Well, you know, one of the things that that Brian circled in his press conference was completion percentage. He said that he said uh, Stanley was at fifty seven percent, and their goal, you know, their goal is always sixty percent. Which, you know, you look just at just at the numbers, they're pretty close. They were pretty close, and that's not bad for. Uh, you know, for a guy who was starting his first year as a quarterback. Um, and I think most fans would agree that Stanley, you know, played a little bit better than they expected as a, as a, a first-year quarterback. But, um, you know, but he has to make, he has to take that next step. And that year of experience should really help, uh, probably more so than anything else. I think, I think Brian, you know, he learned a lot probably in his first year. He, he, he would say that, um, he needs to take what he learned, uh, the good things, and then also the bad things. And um, and I think that will help, too. Just Brian Ferentz being a second-year play caller uh, will help. But more so than that, I think Nate Stanley having a year under his belt, um, being more on the same page with Brian Ferentz, you know, because, I mean, both of them were breaking in last year. They were, you know, Stanley was learning the new system, the new terminology. Uh, Brian Ferentz was trying to teach his system, his terminology, which he wasn't even probably all that comfortable with himself because mm-hmm. it was his first year doing it. So um, I think that between the combination of those two guys just being more comfortable in their second year um, at their positions, but then also working together, um, and then some emerging talent, hopefully out wide, um, and then obviously I think tremendous talent at the tight end position and, and some pretty solid running backs. I I expect it to be a significant step in the right direction. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I really do. And I think that will think that could make a huge difference for this team because it's always, you know, the Hawkeyes are almost always a, a defensive uh, football team that, you know, that really relies on holding their opponents or keeping their opponents off the scoreboard. But, um, you know, if Brian Ferentz can, 
can lead the offense in the right direction, then uh, I think you could see them maybe maybe creep back to the you know having another special season that they seem to have every three or four years. Derek Beck is our guest, Hawkeye Heaven. Always great content on that website. Uh, here on the Big Talker 1700. Okay, so the scrimmage tomorrow night, are you just going to just go as a fan or are you going to go as a news media person and observe? How do you uh, split that time up? You know, uh, for something like this, I'm just going to go as a fan. I'm just going to go enjoy it. I, okay. We, um, we're still actually working with with uh, Steve Rowe and and those guys over at the university to get credentials. So, um, you know, even if we wanted to get down on the field and be a little bit closer to the action, we're not we're not able to yet. Uh, but that's coming. So I think we're going to have those credentials prior to football season, uh, and hopefully be able to get a little bit better access. But um, but regardless, you know, this is spring. It's uh, you know, I'll be up in the stands and I'll be enjoying the game, and um, just hopefully we can get some good weather. Yes, yeah, that, that's something <laughs> yeah. that we're all hoping for, and, and seeing that going forward should be a good one. All right, uh, let, let's get prediction time from you. You mentioned some of those names of the past springs that have come up. Who will be the guy that we'll be talking about Friday night into Saturday and into next week? <laughs> Who's going to be the spring day uh, spring practice star? Oh well, I'm going to go wide receiver. Uh huh. Gosh, how about how about Max Cooper? Oh, there's a good name. Yeah, he just seems like a logical choice, right? Him or maybe that uh, is it Gronowick? Kyle yes, Gronowick. Yes, Kyle Gronowick. You know, you know yeah. typically one of those slot receiver types that end up emerging and you know catching five or six balls, and everybody thinks the world of them. So we'll see. There's a couple of good predictions. Good stuff there. Hey, uh, before we go, uh, run out of time here. Let, let's talk a little bit. Ahmad Wagner going to be taking some visits, looking around. It's uh, Kentucky, Louisville, Akron, Cincinnati, the other schools right now that he's taken a look at. I know uh, you're certainly hopeful that he's going to be a Hawkeye, but where do you sit right now as you look at this and the latest news? I, you know, with the with the latest, I mean, I think I'm starting to lean more against it. I just just based off of the the fact that he hasn't, you know, if he was going to go to Iowa, I think he would have chosen to do that earlier, but I could be wrong. Maybe he's just being real methodical and taking his time, and, you know, I hope that's the case. I mean, he, he should be taking that approach, but, um, you know, I would think that if he was in love with Iowa City that much, he probably would have would have said, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and join the team and get, get practicing, uh, because he could have done that at, at Iowa. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I can't blame the kid for taking his time and trying to do what's best for him, and, you know, it, it seems like most of the schools that he's interested in are back closer to home, and, uh, if he just wants a fresh start, you know, get out of Iowa City, get closer to home, you know, family and friends might be a little bit easier for them to see him play. And um, yeah, I don't really understand the Kentucky one. I'll admit that, um, just because of their, you know, their passing offense isn't any better than Iowa's. So um, I don't think his opportunity as a wide receiver would be any better there. But when you look at a Cincinnati or a Louisville, um, those those maybe make a little more sense to me just with the fact that they like to throw the ball around the field and um, he'd be real close to home at both of those schools. So I could see that happening, and if anything, that's probably where I'm leaning. I'm guessing he'll, he'll do that. Are you buying into the theory that, okay, if he transfers to those schools, he will have to sit a year, and that'll give him a chance to hone his football skills so when he does show up the following season, uh, he'll be ready to compete and and be the player that, you know, um, coaches hope that he would be? 
mean, I think that would be his that would be his strategy. I, I can't. I don't know whether or not that's going to work, but um, you know, certainly just off of his measurables. I mean, guys get guys get a chance in the NFL. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. a, a lot of times just based off of measurables. So, um, you know, whether it's Antonio Gates or a, um, I mean, those guys played the majority of their career in basketball, and but they were just they had those big bodies that. Um, looked like they had NFL potential and certainly translated that way. So, uh, yeah, I think that I think that one year is more than enough for Wagner to to show show what he can do, especially if you give him a year to prep for that. So, um, you know, I certainly can't fault that strategy. Whether or not it translates into being successful for him, I, I don't know. But um, but if I had to guess, I, I would uh, I would probably. You know, I, I would be on his side because he certainly looks like he's got a lot of talent, a lot of ability, a lot of size, and uh, just based off his high school tape, he can he can catch the ball. So uh, I don't see any reason to, to bet against the kid. Derek Peck, DP, getting ready for the spring game tomorrow night, Kinnick Stadium. Looking forward to all the content you guys have up at Hawkeye Heaven. Thanks, as always, for your time. Yep, appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks a lot, fellas. DP joining us, always fun and uh, a lot of great conversation there. Our conversations with Derek and the Hawkeye Heaven crew presented by Murphy Tower Service. Again, the apprenticeship program continues. If you know somebody looking for a new job, new line of work, Earn while you learn at murphytower.com. Jimmy B, you ready for tomorrow night in the spring practice? Are you going to tune in on your, your old uh, little tablet over there and watch it that way? <laughs> on BTN to go? Yes. <laughs> that's it. That, that, that's the only place you can see it. So, you know, if, if we didn't do what we do, I probably wouldn't pay much attention to it, but it is our job. So from that standpoint, yes, I will uh, sample to see their 70-yard field and see the practice. That's it. Well, Ohio State had their spring game over the weekend. We're going to talk to a man from out there, talk about the Buckeyes, the Big Ten, Cleveland with the Browns with the number one and number four pick, LeBron, and his performance last night. Ken Silverstein, he's going to join us next as we take you up until 6 o'clock tonight. It's Jimmy B and TC. Welcome back, everybody. You've heard him on this program a lot, and the reason is is because we have things that we want to ask Ken Silverstein, Big Ten Conference insider. He also gives opinions as well on the NFL and the NBA. He comes to us on the Big Talker 1700. Kenny, how are you? Uh, Iowa gets a chance for their scrimmage tomorrow night. Uh, they're doing construction at the stadium. It'll be roughly on about a 70-yard field. It's not really a game a scrimmage game it's just going to be a practice my my point that i'm getting to is is that you had an opportunity to view ohio state's scrimmage in front of 450,000 people everybody would say that they were there uh what did you glean from that where where or, or can you really get anything out of a out of a scrimmage like that in the spring yeah I, look scrimmages in the spring are really really difficult um, Ohio State's so different. I, I've, in my career, I've had spring games at Texas, Texas A&M, Florida, Florida State, and onward, and Ohio State's no different or anybody else. I mean, it's, it's really difficult to see and make profound statements. Um, they have a quarterback battle. Uh, JT Barrett has finally moved on. I felt like he was here for like 25 years. Uh, so he has moved on. We'll see whether or not he gets drafted. Uh, late next week in one of the later rounds. But, um, 
I mean, they have two, probably have three guys that can play for most, if not all, uh, Big Ten teams. Obviously, they're only going to start one. That's the the big controversy was the Dwayne Haskins who came in late last year in the Michigan game when JT Barrett got hurt and uh, really did a nice job. He is a four-star out of Maryland, or is it four-star Mr. Ohio? Uh, in this case, um, the other viable option uh, for Ohio State and Joe Burrow, whose dad is an assistant coach at uh, the Ohio football program, Ohio University, with uh, former Nebraska coach Frank Solich. We all remember uh, Mr. Solich, Coach Solich. So um, it's nip and tuck. I think it's going to be Haskins, uh, even though the numbers were better for Burrow uh, on Saturday. Uh, both guys are legitimate, if not more than legitimate, uh, power school program QBs. Only one can start. We'll see. I think he's trying to hold on to a decision until fall practice, but his hand may be forced because Burrow's a smart kid. He's already going to graduate next month. He'll have two years as a graduate um, transfer potentially and could go, if he wants to, anywhere he wants. So um, they got a tough decision. They can win with both. They can only stay. They most likely can only keep with one of them. So we'll, we'll see. Expectations always big over there, and I thought it was interesting right at the end of practice. They they gave another shot there to make another play. There was no time on, but they wanted to see a little bit more, I guess. Yeah, I mean, look, these, these things are not scripted. Some schools will do a little bit more tackling. Some will only do, you know, two-hand touch like you're playing in your backyard. Some will do a combination. Ohio State was weird. They're doing touch football, but, like, Two-thirds of the game, and all of a sudden they started tackling people. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me why. Obviously, he made the decision or admired it. And then they went back to touch football again. So yeah. there's, no, there's no rhyme or reason to these things. The only good thing is it's football in April. Uh, we had some schools had to cancel because of the nasty weather here in the Midwest that we've all dealt with over the last whatever uh, amount of time. Uh, a little bit of snow, a little bit of heavy rain, heavy wind. Uh, it felt more like February or March than mid-April. So uh, in no particular order, what, Wisconsin got hit, Michigan got hit, Minnesota moved theirs around, Ohio State moved theirs up two hours earlier. So uh, some programs dropped it completely. Some of them moved them up. Some of them moved them up a day or two earlier. So everyone had to make their own call on what they wanted to do, and Hawkeyes are going to do theirs, and, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I don't... Again, I've never really left a spring practice or a spring practice slash game thinking, hmm, I think I know that two and two equals four. No, two and two equals four don't equal three or five. You just you really can't leave after watching it either on the tube or listen to it on the radio or be there in person and say, I know exactly what's going to happen here. It just It's really impossible to tell because it's just not real, just not real football, and it's, it's hard to – go overzealous if you see a kid or kids play great or someone doesn't play well you can't just say well that kid's not very good and we're in trouble and it's gonna be a long year no you, you just can't you just can't do that at this point witness the way these things are run by these head coaches respectively it does uh, crack trent and i up and i'm sure you smirk about it as well when fans go off after a uh, a spring practice that they get a chance to at least take a peek at. So it's funny well, who's the yeah, next the star. Yeah. The peak is fine. You know, it's, it's yeah. great to see, you know, the, 
the new kids on scholarship, you know, who are highly recruited, and, that, and that's great. And there's a high-profile position battle, um, I don't know, quarterback, running back, whatever, these wide receiver, the more quote-unquote glamour positions. But you, you have to be, I think we're all veterans here. We all have to look at it and go, well, let's, let's pump the brakes here a little bit and not get too giddy because it's just not real football. And the coaches know it, but they don't want to get anybody hurt. And that's, you know, and so they pull back uh, big time. And some, as I said earlier, will rough it up a little bit more and others will not. I mean, others, again, it's, it's like playing two-hand touch in the street or in your backyard. It's it's not real football. But for us who are football fanatics, it's good to see something in mid to second or third week of April because it does whip your appetite. Because roughly, and don't hold me this because every school will start a day or two earlier than others, but we're roughly about 100 days away for what I call fall practice, even though most people call it summer practice. And then the season will begin you know, uh, in late August, September 1st, yes, yeah, September 1st is uh, the Saturday, first Saturday uh, for uh, most programs to play. And we'll roll from there. Can't wait. All right, let's get into some NBA. Last night, LeBron was ridiculously good. He starts mm-hmm. off, scores the first 13, has 20 in the first quarter. He was off and running, and it looked to me like it was off and running to be a Cavs blowout. But the Pacers came back. They hung tough had opportunities, including Oladipo having an open three that could have tied the thing. How concerning is it to you, even this series aside, if you want to look forward, Ken, that LeBron has to do this much, and they're still struggling at home against the Pacers? Well, they miss Kyrie Irving. I mean, they, they, they miss a superstar player. And you just can't replace a guy who's a top-ten player. And the trade they made really didn't work out. And the trades they made at the deadline got them younger, yes. Role players, yes. And for many of these guys, outside of George Hill, they've never sniffed the playoffs. Uh, I'm thinking of, um, in no particular order, um, all of whom I'm thinking of here. I'm thinking of, um, well, Hood has played some with Utah, but not a lot of playoff action. Clarkson has had none. Uh, Larry Nance Jr., none. George Hill, yes, with Indiana particularly, for he's bounced around. And so they don't have the third scorer. And even though I picked them to win in six, meaning against Indiana, and I'll stick to my guns that they will win in six, they are flawed. They don't have that third scorer. And if you don't have a superstar third scorer to go with Love, and in this case um, LBJ, um, you're going to have a problem. And they have not replaced Kyrie Irving. It's almost impossible to replace him. They tried. It didn't work out. They made a second volley uh, for trades, again, at the deadline. And it's, it's okay, but they're role players. They are who they are. And you can't lose a top-10 guy and not replace him with some, someone of that stature. So can they get through Indiana? Yeah, I think they can. Um, they need to do a better job on Oladipo. They need to do a better job. Miles Turner has had two really good games. He's improved. Uh, young man out of the University of Texas. Um, I mean, they're, they're coached well. Nate McMillan does a really nice job. I think he's one of the more underrated coaches in the NBA. But I'll stick to my gun and say the Cavaliers will still win in six. But 
I, I don't think they're getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, and better yet, I don't think uh, they're going to get to the Finals, and then we'll all wait to see what LeBron does uh, come yeah. sometime between July 1st and whenever LeBron decides to uh, you know, decide what he's going to do. Kenny, uh, you referenced Kevin Love. He got 15 points like uh, last night. Should have had more, but he was sent to the bench. Uh, he got a jammed thumb. Now they say he's got a partial tear in a ligament. Uh, this guy can't catch a break. He had a busted hand, and I remember when, uh, was it Kelly Olenek uh, last year or the year yeah. before that, pulled out his shoulder? So uh, this guy's had a run of bad luck here. Yeah, and he's a, he's a really good guy, and you feel sorry for him. He's a five-time All-Star, and he's, he's one of the better interviews in the NBA. He's just a very um, articulate guy. Uh, love talking to him. He's uh, well-rounded. He doesn't give you a lot of cliches, and he he's uh, pretty worldly. I mean, he's got views on a lot of stuff. And he's just an interesting guy, but you're right. I mean, I don't. when we left the building last night, Ty Lue said in the post-game news conference, that basically it's nothing. So today it's a little bit more than nothing. Whether he'll play, whether he'll be a play and be effective, I don't know. Um, I, if he can play, knowing him a little bit, I think he will attempt to gut it out. But if you're Indiana, this is the best thing that could happen for you, okay? Uh, because if he is not efficient, uh, then I don't know who. Forget about a third score. Who the hoot is going to be a second score? Yeah. And yeah. LeBron uh, can score 40-plus, but it ain't going to be enough, particularly with the next two in downtown Indianapolis. So they need love to be somewhat healthy. and They need love to be proficient. If not, they could be knocked out in round one. And if they're knocked out in round one, um, there are going to be a lot of heads rolling around here. Um, you got the LeBron decision come July 1st. And after, I know Ty Lue won it all. He's had health issues. You're dealing with an owner here with a very quick trigger. And Dan Gilbert, you got a young general manager. Uh, you might not recognize this thing come mid-July uh, when the dust settles. Right now they have the eighth pick. That's the Brooklyn pick. That's part of the Kyrie Irving deal. We won't know until the ping-pong balls bounce later next month where they're going to be. So this thing... To say this thing could be very fluid would be the understatement um, of any lifetime. And I will tell you this, I know what my marching orders are. I'm, I usually take some time off, and like most people, will take some vacation time. I've already been told no vacation time until LeBron decides. Once he decides <laughs> and it's settled, then the wife and I are going to do whatever we're going to do. But for the time being, it's whatever until this thing is settled and um if love is hurt and it appears he is depending on the severity and we'll know tomorrow night at uh, seven o'clock eastern when they tip it off game three they're one and one if he can't play or if he does play and he's basically a shell of himself if i'm the pacers my prediction of six and the Cavs is going down the almighty tubes big time yeah, yeah, and, and with that, if you don't think it's going to be the Cavs, who's your pick right now in the East to well, probably get obliterated in the finals? Yeah, and they're going to get obliterated. It really is a is a waste of time, really. <laughs> uh, I mean, Toronto, I mean, Toronto's better, but uh, look, I've seen Toronto all these years, and the Cavaliers have manhandled them, and 
I love the Rosen and Lowry's up and down, and they're better than they were. The bench is a little better, but it's still Toronto, and they have a way of underachieving. And until they don't underachieve, it's hard to pick them. Philadelphia, it's a nice story. Simmons is tremendous. Uh, Joel Embiid uh, doesn't look like he's going to play in game three. When he does come back, he's an all-star elite big. Um, I like J.J. Reddick's game. They have some nice role players, but I think it's asking a lot in their first playoff run to get to the finals. Now, if Boston had their two best players, even though their kids are playing well uh, in Tatum and Brown, if they had Gordon Hayward and they had Kyrie Irving, then I'd say it'd be Boston. But they don't have them, and they're not going to come back uh, this season. So I guess Toronto, but I'm not. I don't think it really matters. Uh, maybe another way of answering it would be the following. Whoever wins the East, if they play Golden State or Houston, and let's make it Golden State, will they win at least one game or more in the finals? I'll give them one but they will not win more than one. No matter who comes out of the East, will not win one. They'll win one, but they won't win any more than one. Yeah, if you, if just, you, if you put the spread right. at one and a half, I'd take the under, no doubt. And Yeah, I'm with you, Trent. I, don't, I, I mean, I'll give them one because sweeps are hard. Sure. Okay? Even if you have better talent, sweeps are still hard. Mm-hmm. So because they're so hard, I'll give whomever one. But they ain't winning two, they ain't winning three, and there's no way on this planet they're winning four, okay? So um, until they're knocked out, Golden State's going to win again. Um, I mean, I've watched the first two, and they look pretty good to me, you know, and they're not at full strength. So when they're back at full strength, you know, Houston will give them a series. There's no doubt about it. Houston will give them a series, and what the, what the Rockets have to hope for is to get it to seven. They'll have home court, and maybe just maybe because it's a one-game elimination that somehow they get some calls, they keep it close, and they can eke out a win. To me, that's the only way Houston uh, can get to the finals because otherwise, if it's less than seven, Golden State will beat Houston, and they'll be back in the finals, and the dynasty will continue to build momentum. Uh, Ken, before we let you go, about two minutes left here. Uh, the NFL draft next week, you'll be a busy guy with the Cleveland Browns who have one and four. Do they stay with those picks? If so, who do they select? Or will they entertain a trade and trade down hoping to get themselves another top flight player? Well, look, this thing has been, oh my God, has this thing been debated around here? I'm so tired. I feel like Doing a header to Lake Erie. I can't wait until a week from today already. Please just make the picks, please. And then we'll debate it for years to come. My guess, and nobody knows, obviously. My guess is Sam Darnold. I think he's the safest pick of the QBs. It will be a QB at one. It will either be Darnold or Josh Allen out of Wyoming, who Iowa Hawkeye fans saw last September um, in, uh, in that game in Iowa City. Tell me one or the other. I'm going to go with Darnold because I think he's the safer of the two. Now, four is interesting because I think, I think there's a decent chance, a little bit more than 50%, that they will trade out of four and move down and have someone move up like Buffalo, who's got two first-round picks. Buffalo would take a QB at four. The Browns would then take those two picks and have three first-round picks um, you know, to choose from. 
If they don't, if they don't trade out, if the Giants take Saquon Barkley, and we'll assume for this conversation they will, the Jets at three will take a quarterback. We'll assume I'm right, it's Darnold um, at one, and they will probably, if you listen to the folks and the mocks and everything, they seem to really like Baker Mayfield. So we'll give them Baker Mayfield at three, assuming Darnold's at one and Barkley as a, is at two. And then I think the uh, Browns, if they stayed for then would take Bradley Chubb, the uh, defensive end out of North Carolina State, who is the best pass-rushing edge rusher uh, in this draft, and they would team him with last year's number one overall pick, Miles Garrett from A&M, Texas A&M, to give them what they think will be two of the better book and uh, defensive ends in the quote-quote entire uh, NFL. Should be a lot of fun, Ken. We'll talk again next week in preparation for that draft, and uh, it'll be the last time. We'd only be hours away. Yes. Oh, guys, guys, we'd only be like... Two, three hours away from the flag going down. Unbelievable. We're getting close, Ken. Thanks for your time today. Look forward to it, guys. Have a good weekend. Ken Silverstein joining us. Always a lot of fun, Jimmy B. Let's come back. Mm -hmm. We'll put a cap on things, take a peek at what we're going to watch for tonight, and we'll do that next year as we take you up until 6 o'clock. It's Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700. Welcome back, everybody. We wrap things up here on a Thursday in the capital city. Trent, once again, you know me. I'm in love with the playoffs, both the NBA and the NHL. We got some good ones last night. I anticipate some good ones tonight. Uh, Let's start first with the NBA. I know that you're on the Miami Heat. Mm -hmm. They will host Philadelphia this evening. Um, there's probably no Joel Embiid again. Now does it swing in the Heat's favor? Uh, I liked him before the series at the price I was getting for tonight. I, I expect a little zigzag theory to be happening here. I, I think the Sixers are going to play well. They're certainly not going to get down like they did in game number two in uh, Philadelphia. I think this will just be a, a tight game. I think it will come down to the wire. It's a coin flip game to me, and uh, Philly's actually favored in this game by three. thought that was very interesting when I, when I saw that, Jimmy B. You know, of, of the three games tonight, I really, I we talked about it earlier, but Greg Popovich losing his wife uh, yes. won't be coaching tonight. But but what kind of effort are we going to see out of San Antonio? You know, down to nothing in the series. A lot of times you'll get a great game from teams in Game Three on their home floor in that one. But you couple with that, just going to be interesting to see what what happens down in San Antonio tonight. I'm with you on that. Uh, look, you can always walk into the locker room and say, hey, we got to win this one for Pop and the family and everything. Mm-hmm. And then if it starts to go sour early in the game, then the players' heads start to hang, and the next thing you know, uh, they're out of it. So, yes, I will be uh, dialed in on, on that one tonight as well. Look, uh it's interesting with the NHL and, and what is taking place there right now. And I'm going to really be dialed in because I'll probably be at the refreshment stand with the monitors in front of me, Trent. Probably. And probably. Prob- well, okay, okay. You I will, will be. be. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Washington and Columbus. So it is 1-2, the Capitals trail, the Columbus Blue Jackets in the series. It's back in Columbus again tonight where it took them two overtimes, but the Capitals found a way to win uh, just two days ago. So where are you on that game tonight? 
Nowhere. It doesn't do a whole lot for me. I'm, I'm staying away okay. from the hockey. I'm cleansing the palate from hockey tonight. I don't <laughs> think that's going to get much. It's going to be NBA. Watch a little baseball tonight. I've really enjoyed, yeah. though, the Red Sox have been dominating. Watching this Angels-Red Sox series, West Coast baseball, I've always enjoy that. Might get to see Otani. They haven't announced yet if he is going to DH tonight. Right. But uh, certainly keep an eye on that as he deals with the blister. Appears he's going to make his next start, though, next Tuesday against the Astros. Still, if he's in the lineup, that's kind of appointment viewing for me right now. So you do the hockey tonight. I'll do a little baseball. I'll be watching that. Oh, uh, What else okay. do we have this evening? Uh, yeah, the rest of the slate isn't great. In fact, Toronto and the Yankees is already underway. That's probably the more uh, most entertaining game outside of that one that I'm looking for tonight. But overall, mm-hmm. yeah, that's... Uh, Maybe I will find some hockey, I guess, now that you say that. (laughs) I thought I'd twist your arm on that once you you took it to look at the baseball slate. Yeah, absolutely. You 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 may take a peek at that game tonight. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Now, now you, okay. now you got me, and now I gotta bring see? up the account. And I might have to fire at it if I get if I gotta watch it at all. I gotta fire at it, Jimmy B. I got a problem. Okay, okay, okay. I I know, I know you do. I know it's a good problem for you. And of course, uh, coming up tomorrow on the show, we'll get ready for the Iowa spring practice. Getting ready for yep. that tomorrow in Iowa City. Some of the guys we're excited to uh, get an eye on, get a look here. It's not a game. Look, Iowa hasn't played a real spring game since Kirk Ferentz has been there. I mean, that, that, mm-hmm. that's gone the way of the dodo bird. That thing, it just doesn't happen anymore. So it's hard to become too upset. Plus, they don't have a full field. They don't. No. Unless no. they're going to move the thing to City High or Iowa City West or something to try to play it there, it wasn't going to happen regardless. So still getting some eyes on these guys that we've been talking about here for what seems like the last couple of months. Uh, spring football is drug on and on and on. Get some eyes on him. Get a look at that. Looking forward to that and all a whole else else going on, Jimmy B. So you're hitting the refreshment stand tonight. Is is a Thursday night? Is that a three seven and seven night? One two. Where where are you at tonight? Well, it's a it's a situation where I'm going to go tonight. It's Thursday taco night. So I can load up on cheap tacos, <laughs> and as long as I got something in my stomach, I might. I might be able to go for three. Might, Trent. You know wow. me. Wow, Jimmy. Yeah, I know that's big. You're going to be that's rolling big. out of bed about noon tomorrow if you're hitting three. <laughs> that's every day. <laughs> that's true too. That's very, very true. Have a good one, Brinson. Thank you, brother. And I will see everybody tomorrow, bright and early, four o'clock in the afternoon, right here on the Big Talker, seventeen hundred.